Welcome to Out of Curiosity, our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. This is Garland. And uh, the, the question we're wrestling with today has to do with this question of the fall. One of the things in several episodes that we keep on pointing back to is we're talking about how things should be, but how they actually are. And we talk about the idea that we're in a fallen world. We're in a broken world. And that's something a lot of times that gets taken for granted in these conversations. But what we want to ask is, what does that actually mean? What, what curse fell on the world as a result of the fall? And what do we find in Genesis 3? Mm-hmm. Well, and Nick, you're helpful, I think, here. Explain what even a curse is. You have a helpful explanation for this. Yeah, so we talk a lot about blessing and cursing. And I think some of that language has gotten lost in our culture. Um, hashtag blessed basically just means I'm enjoying something. Right. Um, but when, when you talk about a blessing and a curse, um, what we're talking about and what the idea was in the, in the ancient world was that our words are meaningful and to bless or to curse someone is to, to desire to will their good or their harm with your words. Mm-hmm. And so for a, at the merely natural level, for me to bless or curse someone looks a little bit more like a prayer because um, I don't have the power to make that good or bad come true. Right. So if I bless someone, I'm, I'm appealing to or asking for some power that can make it happen to happen. Mm-hmm. If I curse someone, I'm asking for some power to make bad things happen. Um, and so, but, but when the one speaking has power in his words, the blessing actually brings about the good mm-hmm. and the curse actually brings about the bad. Mm-hmm. So when God blesses people, he's actually bringing about their good with his words. When God curses someone or something, he's bringing about bad with his words. And you'd say them. a curse essentially is the opposite of a blessing. We Curses, have this, yes. all this baggage now with the word curse. Right. Uh, it's just it's the opposite of blessing. It's the opposite of blessing. When, when you bless, you will good with your words for someone. When you curse, you will harm with your words. Okay, that's helpful. Uh, well, in, in light of that, what, what we want to do is we want to try to understand exactly what God is cursing yep. when we come to these oracles of judgment, oracles of curse in Genesis chapter three, and maybe even just the way my brain works even more silly. uh, I always had this question. It seems like God curses women to experience chain and uh, experience pain in childbirth. Well, did epidurals solve that? Uh, it's kind of the question I've, I've wrestled with. This a little, I guess we fixed the curse yep. because now we have epidurals. And that's, right. the, that's silly, but what, what we have to recognize is what exactly is going on here. Yeah. And so would you read for us then just the, our, 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 course, our curse judgment as we look at it in Genesis chapter 3? Yep, absolutely. So uh, this is when God, the, the, the rebellion with the fruit has taken place. Mm-hmm. God has come into the garden. He's assessed the situation. He's had the conversation and now he's giving his verdict. Um, So in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3 we read, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, so he's addressing the serpent at this point, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. All right, so I think just observations that we have to notice. Uh, first, I think it's, it's just interesting. Neither the man nor the woman are actually cursed. Right. Uh, what, who is cursed is the serpent, and then the ground okay. are the things that are cursed. So what we're trying to do... Each is associated with different one. We, the curse of the serpent associated with directly with Eve in a way. In a way, yep. And then the curse of the ground associated with Adam, Adam in a way. In the way to it. In addressing yeah, return to it. it. Yep. So all we're trying to do is make sense of these verses. Uh, and so we have the snake, the serpent cursed. We're going to skip for now uh, this, what's often called the first gospel, the proto-evangelion here in verse 15. And maybe we'll come back to that in a subsequent podcast. What I want to focus on is when it comes to male and female, men and women, humans in this world, yep. Uh, what we see is unbelievably tragic, yep. and it actually touches the fabric of what we're designed and wired for. And I think once we see it and understand it, it'll begin to help us make sense of why things are the way they are. If we, if we think about our setting, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, chapter, we see God creating the universe for His glory, for our joy. He creates humanity in His image, and we see this amazing picture at the end of chapter 2, before we turn the pages to chapter 3, that... Humans are both naked and without shame. They have vulnerability, intimacy, closeness, connection, relational harmony without any of the stain of sin. If you can imagine yeah. that picture uh, is what we see for God's glory, for their joy. And then we see the, the tragedy of them rebelling against God saying, we know how to do it our way. We can do it our way and rejecting God's authority. And we see sin enter into the world. And because of that, now what God had wired in the first two chapters for his glory and for our joy, namely what we're gonna see here, Relational harmony, yep. the being fruitful and multiplying, yep. and then the subduing of the earth. All the things that we were fashioned to do and that God had wired and blessed us to do in chapter 1. Uh, and I think that's key is that word blessing. Because if, if curse is the opposite of bless, right. chapter 1, it's they're blessed. blessed. And, blessed. And the nature of that blessing is be fruitful and be fruitful multiply. And multiply. Fill the, earth and, Fill the earth and subdue it. So that's the nature of the blessing. We're made for relation, relationship, multiplication, mm -hmm. and rule. And now all of the things that were wired in blessing mm -hmm. are now going to war against. If we look at it closely, it seems that both the woman and the man are going to receive kind of a, a two natures of this uh, particular judgment. Yeah. First, we see to the woman, uh, and I want to make sense of this for us all. It says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. And probably the best way to understand this is in conception in pregnancy and all that is conceiving and being pregnant with a kid. And then it says, and in pain and toil, you will bring forth children. You will bear children. Uh, many commentators think what's going on here is it's not simply the act of uh, the birth process of a child, that what's actually involved is from, we might say, from conception to raising them. Okay. In all points in between. It's a Hebrew, the, the term for that would be a merism. From sunup to sundown, what we okay. mean is everything in between. What Moses has in mind here is from conception mm -hmm. all the way to raising your kids. What you were wired to do to be fruitful and multiply is now going to be filled with toil. So, so the, the, the idea of childbirth here is a picture for something bigger. It's not as if the, the limits of this curse are what happens in the delivery room. Correct. You're saying the whole, pro the if the, whole process. If the blessing was you're going to multiply, right. then what now is filled with pain 
is everything that being a parent and, is. And that Both includes alive. infertility. Yeah. That includes the uh, the difficulty of raising kids in a fallen world. That includes the fear that parents have. I mean, yeah. I've got three kids myself. The fear of knowing, my wife looked at me just a few weeks ago, something was in the news and she goes, can you imagine what life's gonna be like for our kids then? Just that, the fear of knowing you're bringing children into a world that has fallen and broken. Instead of blessed, now we're gonna see this entire thing be fraught with toil. The second thing is, is equally as tragic. It says, your desire, this key word, will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Uh, this word that's being, being used for desire here is only used two other times in the scripture. One is Song of Solomon, and for you, those of you that know Song of Solomon, we begin to think, that sounds like a good thing. Your desire sexually will be for your husband. And that could be what it means. The more likely is just one chapter over in chapter four, we're gonna see that same word used of sin with Cain. And the concept is sin desires to own you. It mm. desires to master you, Cain. Don't let it. Mm. And if that same understanding is brought into the word here, what relationships were designed for to be corresponding to each other, male and female in harmony, vulnerability, intimacy, and oneness. Now, instead of harmony, it'll be toil. It'll be anxiety. It'll be a, a desire for domination. Mm -hmm. And then God responds to that with, but in fact, I'm setting him over you. Some commentators would, would go as far as to say that we don't get male headship in a sense until now. Male, male headship in marriage relationship could be even a result hmm. of, this, of this action, that we were, were created for distinction, but unity and harmony. And now we've got a battle going on. And obviously anyone out there, we see this battle play out in relationships. Uh, then we go down to the man. What well, the man was designed and wired to do, what humanity was designed and wired to, to fill the earth and subdue it. Now we're gonna see that begin to war against. And instead of a, a garden that will produce joy for, the, for humanity, now it's gonna produce thorns and thistles. And so what God created work to be was for his glory and our joy. And now it will be filled with all the tension and anxiety that oftentimes work comes with, all of the identity issues that it comes with, all the struggle that it comes with, all the times where it wars against us. And then lastly, we see the ultimate judgment fall. You will return to the ground. Uh, this ultimate tragedy. This is not how things are supposed to be. The ultimate opposite of a blessing from the Lord is going to be that we're cursed to face physical death in this world. And uh, as we look out at if you want to think of it this way, every single thing that we see in every single human culture, so much of the brokenness that we see is relational. It has to do with uh, the way that work plays itself out, exploitation, greed. It has to do with uh, raising of children. The very fabric of what makes up humanity, you might say, is no longer cooperative in a sense, and it now is fractured in wars against. The beauty is the part that we skipped in verse 15. God has a plan for this brokenness. And that plan is going to be to rescue us out of the broken mess that we've made of it. And so uh, I, to me, I, I want to be, I want to know what the scripture says. We use Genesis 3 all the time. We call it the fall, the fall, the fall, but understanding exactly what's going on, what God is saying, and then letting, letting that, uh, let, let that be how I understand and look out at the world uh, is it's helpful to me. So. Okay. So some practical, that's really helpful. And some practical questions that are popping up in my mind as you explain that. So we're, we're saying, I mean, really, uh, our culture has gotten incredibly complex in our daily lives. But if, if you go to a more simple view of life, you've got 
family, interpersonal relationships, interaction between male and female, children, and then what we do to cultivate the ground and survive. We've got every area of human life yes. touched, touched by this. By this. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple questions that come to mind. Um, first of all, so if we're saying all these areas of brokenness that we experience in culture are the result of sin, is first the question I would ask is, does that mean that the only answers, therefore, have to be spiritual? Right. And medicine, counseling, mm-hmm. government, that's all a waste of time mm-hmm. because the real problem is sin. What would you say to that, to that idea? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And what, what I don't see um, this passage saying is that every single thing that humans do is always evil all the time. Right. Uh, we are still given our mandate, and we would say that the effects of this curse do not nullify or disqualify humans still being made in God's image, still being the special creation of God, still having a mandate. Yep. It's just that now what we could have experienced with joy walking with the Lord. We, by the way, we might say one of the great tragedies of this passage is what happened right before. It's alienation from the Lord. And so now what was designed to be humans walking with the Lord in joy mm-hmm. in every, every single part of the fabric of our life is going to be touched by this particular issue. Um, and so it, it, it doesn't mean every single thing we do is evil. Every single, every single thing that we do is bad. The Lord has an amazing abundance of grace, even still to not incinerate humanity right here. He allows us to continue walking in his image, to continue to be his image, to continue to, he, he even enables us to have in our brokenness and in our fractured uh, state that we find ourselves in, he can still speak over us, you're the image of God. Uh, and so that, that's, I think, uh, a testament to the grace of God. And so in, in a whole variety of ways, we, we are still capable of uh, going into the ground and toiling into the ground and and seeing produce come and in some of the ways that you're talking about. So it's still, it's part of that image bearer function to try to be healthy mm-hmm. in a cursed world, mm-hmm. to to work for medicine, uh, to, to use an epidural. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we've overcome the curse. It means we're toiling. We're toiling. I mean, my wife had an epidural. Right. It's not exactly pleasant. It's uh, not terrified, a, it, terrified me as yeah. the man watching it happen. I'm sure it was way yeah. worse for her. Yeah, and so it's not exactly like so the, the epidural is evidence of a cursed world. Of a cursed world, yeah. and we're doing our best to mm-hmm. live life in it. Um, you may say to that point, as we navigate this fractured world, we should do so with a healthy, consistent recognition that this is not how it should be. And that's what I think is so healthy on that question is that the, the results of the curse that we wrestle with are meant to point us to a spiritual reality. So that doesn't mean we don't use medicine, we don't use counseling, we don't try to work for better systems. It means that if we do those and ignore mm-hmm. the reason we have to, that we're missing the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, we, we, don't use, we don't say, don't take pain reliever when you've broken your arm. Right. Yes, take pain reliever and try to heal the break. Similarly, we don't say, man, don't do things to, to make life less painful in a broken world. Mm-hmm. Do those things, but don't ignore the underlying issue. Right. We do both and. Right. We, yeah. try, we try to help people who are hurting mm-hmm. in really practical, tangible ways. Mm-hmm. But to do those practical, tangible things and under, ignore the underlying spiritual issue. Would be to miss the point entirely. Be to, to be to leave the break and only treat the, the pain. Yeah. So what are some... <sighs> You know, as, as people are trying to think through this, um, as they're coming to their life, I guess one more question that comes up to me is, how do you handle this general truth that the brokenness we encounter 
is the result of sin mm-hmm. versus the idea that somebody going through something difficult might think this is happening to me because I am cursed. They make a one to one. I did this sin, therefore this tragedy happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, who might be, when people attach curse to sin, how would you pastor somebody through that? Yeah, and that is and that is that is a difficult. Um, I've not I've not faced someone expressing this is because I'm cursed. Right. Um, I think that when we what we may say the ultimate tragedy that humans will face is death. Yeah. Um, I think that that every funeral, in a sense, mm-hmm. is a testimony to human freedom yeah. and humans' rebellion against the Lord. Uh, I do think that it is. The, the, the story doesn't end here in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we see the rest of the Bible unpacking is we're only three chapters in here. Sure. Humans only make it three chapters. That's, right. the, that's what I always find interesting before we break, we bust up what God has designed for, uh, for his glory. And so what's amazing is God saw fit to receive glory by entering into and actually facing death by sending his son. He got into the mess so much so that he has his son crucified on a cross. And so I would... I, I, if I was counseling somebody in that in that position, um, there is a reality I would yeah. say that in a sense, the world is is facing this judgment from the Lord. The world is cursed in that sense. Uh, I don't think that this particular curse was given to that particular pick the incident in their life. It's a it's an example of ultimately, yeah. but it may not be that. Well, this means God is uniquely cursing me right now right, right. Uh, in that sense. And I'm, 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 I think that's what you're... Uh, it is. And, the, and I think what's, what's really helpful about your response is you're not, you're not going to try to relieve them from right. the sense that their sin has consequences. The answer, is not, um, the answer is not to try to relieve any sense that there's something wrong with the world because mm-hmm. of sin. It's that the curse is at the end of the mm-hmm. story. Right. And that when we follow the story of curse, curse is not the final word. Mm-hmm. The final word is a return to blessing. Well, just just as a total side note, every single worldview system in our world, every worldview system, every spiritual ideology, every religious system from uh, polytheism all the way to atheism, everyone acknowledges there's something off with humanity. No one is beginning with humans don't mess up. There's nothing fractured in our world. Uh, The Bible is unique in that it positions a God who acknowledges what's wrong in the world, doesn't equivocate, doesn't say, well, y'all are all good, right. but is willing to do something about it this drastic as sending his own son into the world. Uh, no other worldview system offers anything like it. Uh, and so every worldview system has to come to grips with human frailty, human weakness, human brokenness, what we call sin. And, uh, and so the Bible does so in a very interesting way. It doesn't say that our sin is... Uh, is has always been. It doesn't say that our sin is how it should be. It doesn't equivocate on our sin. It it places it in a theological framework for us to be able to then navigate life with a proper understanding. Made in God's image, incredibly broken. And what we see the rest of the scripture is God restoring that image that we broke all the way back in Genesis three. And so it's a really amazing and compelling picture I think that the gospel presents. That's helpful and clarifying and, and filled with hope. Thanks and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discuss the question, how does the curse of Genesis 3 affect my life? We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in scripture at Genesis 3 verses 14 through 24. We also recommend the book, The Doctrine of Humanity by Charles Sherlock. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.